This is Tech Talk Detroit with Brian Spurgeon and Chuck Lobert. Tech Talk Detroit brings you the latest in tech news and Detroit happenings every week. Welcome back to Tech Talk Detroit. Happy to have you with us again. I'm Chuck. I got I'm here with Brian and we're talking about a, a, a current event that came up in the past couple of weeks. Sure, you've heard about it. It's been all over the news around the hack uh, that uh, uh, Colonial Pipeline has been dealing with, with the ransomware. And so we thought we'd talk about that today. We said that, you know, at times we were going to talk about current events when there was something big that was going on. And we can't talk tech without talking about this particular hack. We know we've talked about security in the past, but this is a real live uh, thing that happened. You know, it cost this company $5 million dollars. It shut down 5,500 miles of uh, gas pipeline, crippled the gas industry on the east side. This was a huge thing, and that's why it's been all over the news. So we thought it was important to talk about. So, uh, you know, first of all, Brian, how are you doing today? Good as usual. Uh, Heading out of town tomorrow, going down to Florida. Of course, right when the weather turns nice here in Michigan. But, (laughs) you know, that being said, looking forward to that. Other than that, everything's been going good, just a lot going on uh, as we're getting closer into summer and getting further away from what was the year of 2020. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I got to say I'm jealous about the trip to Florida. Uh, I've, I would love to get out of Michigan for a little while as well. And just hearing some of the details about your trip, it sounds like it's going to be pretty awesome. So I'm sure you're going to have a great time. Yeah, you know, a little shuffleboard and, <laughs> you know, a couple uh, non-alcoholic pina coladas. Can't complain. Right, right. So almost like a day in the office, except for the non-alcoholic. Pina except for the part. non-alcoholic, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, we thought we would talk a little bit about Colonial Pipeline and uh, Darkside, the hacker group that's uh, that's come out that's behind uh, that attack. And the latest article that um, that came out today talked about how Darkside has received ninety million dollars in ransom payments over the past nine months. And they break that down to an average payout per company, per victim of $1.9 million. Isn't that just, it's crazy to think that if a company gets hit, and this is obviously companies of all sizes, but if a company gets hit, an average payment of $1.9 million to get access to your data back. Isn't that just like, how many companies could even deal with that? Not a lot. And, and- it's honestly, it's it's like uh, a script out of a movie, you know, and the hacker group Darkside and extorting a gas company. And it's just, um, you know, st- stuff that didn't seem realistic 15, 20 years ago. It's this is just kind of the I hate to say it, but the new norm. This is what we're dealing with. This is the landscape we're in. You know, that's why we spend so much time talking on this podcast and certainly talking with our clients about security and how important it is. Um, you know, and of that, that's a wide ranging mix of, of companies. Um, it's, it's government sectors. You're talking hospitals, cities are getting hit. Um, so to answer that question, you know, especially a local, local city, they don't just have $2 million laying around. You know, it's, you think about what a a small city has to deal with budgetary, even from budget standpoint, something like this is the, the impact I can only imagine. Yeah. And, you know, they, the article mentioned too, that, um, 
even just last week, there was two other attacks that we really haven't even heard much about. One that was dealing with a conglomerate of Toshiba, one that was dealing with the Ireland Health Service. So we can really see that this is something that is not going away. In fact, uh, you know, as we were talking, kind of preparing for this, you were even talking about how things have little, have kind of changed when it comes to ransomware. Like it used to be mm -hmm. you got a message, your data is encrypted. If you want to get it unencrypted, just, you know, pay this amount of money. And, and in that type of a, a scenario, you know, you might be able to get access to the encryption key and, and unencrypt it. You, you might have a backup and you're okay. But you're talking about how this one kind of presented a change that we've been hearing about as well. Why don't you uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, I, I think you, you you hit it. It was previously we're going to make your data where you're not able to access it anymore and, you know, pay the money. You may or may not get your data back. We might decrypt it. Um, there's never a guarantee on that. At the end of the day, they're criminals. And, you know, that's like uh, somebody stealing something out of your house and you're buying it back off of them, you know, online. So, from that standpoint, that's always previously been the the promise around this ransomware. Um, but recently, we've been hearing about them make, taking a different approach. So not only are they encrypting the data, they're additionally um, stealing the data. So they're making copies of, 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 of your data, taking it off site, and kind of hitting it as a twofold approach. And that's what happened in this instant as well with the with the pipeline. It's it's we're, we're going to encrypt it. You can't access your data, but we also have this hundred gigabytes of data that, if you don't pay us, we will leak it. Um, and, and that's kind of what they're proposed with. So, I think the the strategy behind that is a lot of companies they have robust backup solutions now. That's one of your your best lines of you know that's one of your first steps typically when you do get exploited. Obviously, you got to figure out how you got how the vulnerability came to be. You need to patch that vulnerability, but then typically you're rolling back your data. So that's where good backup solutions come in place that are you know current, where you're backing up as much as you can afford to lose between your snapshots. Um, but I think in this situation, these ransomware know that in a lot of situations, they're not getting the payout that they wanted because of backup solutions. So this is a way to kind of hit it twofold. Like, okay, that's great. You can roll back your data, but how would it do for your company you know, perception if we were to leak all of this. You guys see it when when companies get exploited and there's a personal data released, you got to go out there and you got to notify everybody right away. From a PR standpoint, it's an absolute nightmare to have to go and put out press releases stating we've been exploited and your data may be compromised. Um, you know, for, for a lot of companies, I have to imagine that that's the beginning of the end when that type of event happens. So I think that's something to be really aware of now is, you know, if you felt like you had a good backup and it's not a big deal, if we do get ransomware, we can always go back off of that. You have to ask yourself, what would it mean though if if our data was was captured and, and how would our clients react knowing that that happened? Yeah, exactly. You know, just kind of picture yourself, even even not even having to do the press release, which you know, obviously you, you would have to do, but even just having to go to your client base and say, hey, just so you know, you know, we got breached, your data may be at risk or your information may be at risk. You know, you're obviously going to lose clients. Like how much is that going to cost you on top of having to pay this ransom? So we can see how detrimental this could be to really any business, whether you're a small business, a large business, you know, obviously in this instance, 
Um, you know, as we mentioned, Colonial uh, Pipeline paid $5 million. Thankfully, the group that they dealt with was just after the money, it appears, because they, at that point, released the uh, the data back to them. But there are instances where it's not really about the money. It's about trying to harm somebody or trying to harm something. And at that point, they're probably going to just take your money, run, and still not give you your data back. So the the fact that you get that ransomware at the at the in the, in the first place is really wh- where the concern comes in because once it's there now you got a lot to deal with and i, I kind of came across you know what to me at least was a new term uh, when i was uh, reading up on on this particular attack and that was ransomware as a service so you know we think of we keep on hearing all of these different things uh, you know in our life today of as a service you know what we do manage services as technology you know there's hardware as a service, there's software as a service, there's cloud as a service, you know, there's all different types of things as a service. I never thought about ransomware as a service. So that's what this dark side company does is basically they come up with the different ransomware tools, they develop them, they market them, and then they sell them to others who then use them to actually do the hack. So, uh, you know, that was a new term for me. I don't know if, you, if you've come across that before, but uh, it really shows us kind of where the industry and where security and, and threats and all of this stuff is really heading. The fact that it's such a, a well-known thing at this point. Yeah, honestly, that was something new to me, too. And it makes total sense. Um, you know, they're, they're coming out with this algorithm. They're selling it to smaller entities. Then they're then taking that and, and sending it out, and they're trying to, to cash in on it. It makes total sense. And I think it's just kind of what you see. It's what we always know, that the the criminals, no matter what the, the angle is, they're always a step ahead of law enforcement. And I think that's what you're seeing here as well is the ransomware five, uh, five ten years ago, the the typical, you know, crypto, encrypt your data, you can't access it anymore. That stuff is that's it's evolving rapidly now. They're finding different ways to to deploy it. They're also finding different ways to make more money on it beyond just taking over your company. They're, they're reselling it. It's it's a crazy concept to think about, but it's it's what we're what we're dealing with every day. Yeah. So <clears throat> when we start thinking about, you know, what do I do to protect my business from a ransomware attack? You know, that's kind of goes into a lot of what we've talked about in the past with, you know, backups and having a good BDR plan and all of that. And, but there's also, you know, certain protections you want to have in place. There are certain things that you just want to make sure that you're always doing to help protect it. And, you know, as we've talked about in the past, a big thing is just simply training your employees. So I don't think I've seen the exact details of how this particular attack, um, you know, happened, how the breach happened, but we know is ransomware. So they're, you know, most likely somebody got an email, somebody clicked on something that they, you know, took them somewhere that they weren't intending to go to. And that's kind of what probably triggered a lot of this. So, you know, again, we've talked about employee um, training in the past and, and making sure that your your staff knows what to look for, what to be suspicious of when it comes to different emails or different links or different things like that. Um, you know, so that's a, another big spot where that employee training and that, that security awareness training, that's the, the term I was trying to get to in my head, that security awareness training really comes into play because if you have somebody that knows what to look for, you know, right there, that's going to take care of a lot of these issues because they're going to spot whether it's incorrect grammar or double checking a link before you click on it to make sure it's actually going to where it says it is, you know, even after you click on it, before you click on anything else, making sure that the the link is what it said it was. You know, there's lots of different things that that training is going to kind of help them to look out for. 
Yeah, I think the the education of your end users is is really where it starts. Um, you know, if, if your end users aren't aware of, of what's out there and what to look for, then as great as your security policy can be, you're always going to have that. That'll be always your first and, and most vulnerable exploit that's out there. Um, and, and beyond that, I think it's you got to have a strong security policy. You got to know um, what your users are allowed to do and not allowed to do. And I think you have to look at, there's so many things that go into it. It's it's the third-party applications you use. Are you patching Java? Are you patching Adobe? Those are applications that have known to have exploits and, and require continuous updates. Um, is is Do you have a current firewall? You're paying for a security subscription. Is all of your, is your alerting of all these platforms coming in? Are you aware of when somebody's trying to log into an Office 365 account? Um, are, are you aware of when somebody's blasting your external IP, trying to find a, a hole through your firewall. And I think, you know, it's there's there's no such thing as, as enough when it comes to handling your security posture. And I think you've got to really tackle it from, from outside in. And I think, you know, there's a lot of value in some of these third-party um, services out there, um, software as a service, that they can kind of simulate these vulnerability scans and these penetration testing attempts that that hackers would use you know it's it's these services that are going and trying to find all these loopholes and um you know there's a lot of tools that we've looked into over this this last year or two to kind of bolster you know uh security offering that we have um and i think you know it's more the more time goes on the more we realize you know as a managed service provider um there's no such thing as the tool set we have today is exactly what we need, and that's all you need. It's a it's an ongoing thing. So as these criminals evolve their tactics, we need to make sure that the tools and the the preventative measures we have in place are also adapting to the evolution of the of the hackers. Yeah, and I know I was listening to a, another podcast earlier in the week, um, and there there's a, an industry expert, Shelley Palmer, uh, who was on um, this podcast. I think it was called TechStream. Um, and they were talking about this um, hack. As I mentioned, you really can't have a technical related podcast and not be talking about this right now. Um, and you know, one of the things that he mentioned was another good thing to think about um, is to have a couple of different email addresses. So you know, we all sign up to all these different blogs and these different you know newsletters and all of these these different kinds of things, but how often do we actually read those emails? So every one that we sign up to is kind of another spot that if it got leaked, well, now our information might get out there. So, you know, what he had suggested is, is use your, your primary email address for stuff that you know that every time you get it, you're going to read it, you're going to look at it, and it's it's super important. But we all get stuff that, you know, we kind of ignore, and then maybe it just kind of hits us at the right time, and we go, oh, you know, I've got some time, maybe I'll read that. Use a different email address for that type of stuff to kind of limit the exposure that you've got out there. And, you know, I thought that was a, a good thought as well, is, you know, whatever we can do to, to try to limit the amount of stuff that, that's being sent to us that could potentially uh, kind of open us up to a breach like this. Makes complete sense. I know for me personally, um, I very much adopt that type of um, that, that type of uh, you know strategy with my own personal email I have a couple different email addresses and you know the I have my primary that I want to make sure it's legitimate and then I have a couple secondary emails that I don't even have set up on my phone or my computer it's just if I need to, to register for something that it's kind of a one-time thing I'm using those addresses 
I don't got any kind of, you know, um, personal identifiable information in there. Um, and so I think, yeah, from a business standpoint, it makes complete sense to, to, to follow that same thing. And, you know, I think even just with password requirements in the past, right, it's always been a, it's always been a best practice recommendation to, you know, cycle your password every 90 days and have an upper, lower and eight character minimum. And if you look at a lot of what the experts say, they actually don't recommend that anymore. The, the recommendation now is to not change your password as frequency as frequently, but instead to require an extremely long, complex password that's randomly generated characters. And the reason why is the longer your password is, the more difficult it is to to hack into to 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 figure out. And by changing by going back to the old ways that it was recommended, a smaller password rotating frequently, what what do people do? You know, it's it's password one, two, three with a capital P and, and maybe right. a zero. And then, you know, in 90 days, it's it's password two, three, four, right? And that's <laughs> what people do. Or it's, you know, grandkids two and grandkids three and, and whatever it is, that's what people do because they want Stop something giving easy. out my passwords. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> way, to, way to put you under the bus. But that, that's what happens though. And that's, we're used to always just trying to, to take that bare minimum approach. Everybody sets their password to the minimum requirement. It, it, nobody's going above and beyond that. That's just not the, it's not the human nature. It's, I just want the easiest password possible. So it's actually recommended to make the minimum requirement much more complex, but not have to change it so often. And, you know, and I think you're just finding as time goes on in, in another three months to six months, I'm sure I can be on here talking about other, you know, recommendations to how things traditionally in the past were, you know, this was best practice. And, and now it's going to be like, hey, that's not the case anymore. And, and it's this constant reaction in the industry to what's happening in terms of security threats. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thought, too, you could always just do what I do. And if I like if I'm signing up for something and it's something I need to get access to and I have to give an email address, but um, it's something I know I don't want to follow beyond that. I'll just use Brian's email address. So that's always an option as well. That way he gets all the junk mail and I don't have yeah. to deal with that. <laughs> Similar to my forwarding rule to yours. So, yeah. Right. Kind of got this, uh, <laughs> this, this roundabout circle going here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff that, um, you know, we've talked about in previous podcasts and, you know, we're trying to avoid kind of rehashing everything that we've talked about previously, but We've hit a lot of different security topics, so I would encourage you, you know, if, if this is a topic that you're concerned with, and it should be, every, every business person should be thinking about ransomware, should be thinking about cybersecurity, is my data protected, is my company protected? You know, I would encourage you to go back through some of our previous podcasts and, and listen to any of them that are, are talking about security. You'll learn stuff around multi-factor authentication, um, you know, disaster and back, backup recovery, Office 365 security. There's lots of and, and lots of other topics. So, you know, as, as opposed to just kind of sitting here and rehashing everything, you know, I would I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to th some of those as well. Um, there's hopefully some good information in there. Um, that would be able to help you to really kind of look at where you're at and say, okay, do I have the appropriate, at least basic measures in place? And then, you know, do I need to talk up to somebody about more advanced measures as well? Yeah, I think, you know, this is a, this is a good reminder 
you know, to that it's a real thing. This isn't just some buzzword we see on the internet. Um, you know, and, and the reality is, is if a company, if a, if a major, you know, gas production company is vulnerable, then as a business owner, you should be very much concerned about your vulnerability as well. And, and more just making sure you do have the precautions, like you're saying in place, the, the basic measurements and what additional, um, you know, precautions should we be taking? Yeah, because I mean, you would certainly hope that a company the size of a Colonial Pipeline, with the the money that that uh, you know they've got in the industry that they're in and everything, that they would have good security measures in place. Now we don't know the details. Maybe there was a hole left open. And Probably won't find out for a while either. Exactly, but especially you gotta kind of assume involved. that they had something, right? You know, they're yeah. not going to want to. If there is this known vulnerability, they want to keep that under wraps. They don't want to open the floodgates for potential, you know, for all these other hackers to come in and take advantage of it. So, but you will see that information. They're going to have to, to, to validate. Yeah. And I'm sure we can speak to that when that time comes. Um, yep. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, you know, what would those things be? You know, there's, there's some basic things that you just want to make sure, you know, when you look at your um, IT infrastructure, you want to make sure you don't have anything later than Windows 10 in there anymore, or for sure nothing Windows 7 or earlier in there. Um, as far as your end user devices, you want to make sure you've got a, a, a actual business grade firewall on the server side, nothing 2008 or earlier. You know, those are kind of the basics where we know that there's certainly security um, concerns if, the, if those things are in place. So, if you're sitting there, and a lot of companies are, and they're running some really old piece of software that you know might cost a ton of money to get off of, so that's why it's still in place, but it hasn't been updated in 15 years, and it only runs on you know Windows Server 2003 or Windows Server 2008. You know that's a big security concern. So you got to figure out, you know, can I take it off the network? If not, then you really got to start planning for that. Um, you know, putting that into the budget to get that updated and get off of of that operating system. So that's probably one of the bigger things that we see as we you know start working with new clients is you know we will find every so often still where somebody's running you know a windows server 2003 or 2008 and we ask well, okay well why is that still there and it's well you know i'm running this this old you know piece of software erp or whatever it is and it only runs on that and it costs too much to upgrade it and we kind of have to start working with them to build that into the budget and put that on the roadmap because that right there is a big uh you know security hole that was just left open so you know, those are probably the the biggest, you know, basics. But, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes beyond that with patching and antivirus and, um, you know, anti-malware and employee training and you know, all of the other stuff that we've talked about. So, um, you know, there's, again, you know, go back and listen to some of the old podcasts. We've, we've really hit on all of that stuff. But we do appreciate you taking the time to, to join us again today. Um, you know, like we said, this is definitely a current event, um, you know, something that's been all over the news. So we wanted to touch base on it. And as we get more information, you know, like Brian said, maybe we'll talk about it again in the future as, you know, stuff comes out about, you know, exactly how the breach happened and such. But uh, we hope you enjoyed listening and we hope you have a, a wonderful day. Interact with Tech Talk Detroit at techtalkdetroit.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.